when you look at a championship team, it's not just the coaches. The coaches lead them, but at some point, you got to have championship players that decide to take it among themselves to finish the job, and that's what they did. Saskatchewan will always remember 2013, a year the Rough Riders dared to win the Grey Cup at home in a final championship game at historic Mosaic Stadium. That dream came true on November 24th. Now some of the players who lived it and earned it are sharing their perspectives 10 years later. I don't think it would have been as special if we would have went undefeated and did it. The story couldn't have been written any better. I really appreciate that they released me and brought me back. Like, it changed my whole life. When I look back and I talk to people that weekend, I should have been celebrating. I should have took the time to appreciate what I've done, what we did, basically. By the time the season started, you look on paper, you thought, oh my God, we're unstoppable. And I mean, essentially we were. It was incredible. A 10-year reunion of champions. I am Daniela Ponticelli, the host of Air It Out, a Saskatchewan Rough Rider podcast. On October 7th this year, the 2013 Ryder Grey Cup champions were honored at Mosaic Stadium. More than 30 players and coaches from that year gathered in Regina to celebrate. And it was a remarkable season, capped with greatness. The 2013 Riders finished Labor Day weekend that year with a record of 8-1. and one. Then came the September slump. With star running back Corey Sheets injured, the team lost four straight. When Sheets returned, the Riders were rolling. The team finished second in the West with a record of 11-7. and seven. Saskatchewan then hosted the West semifinal against the BC Lions. It was their toughest test of the playoffs. BC led through three quarters, but in the fourth, Ryder quarterback Darian Durant took off on the ground. He rushed for 97 yards on six carries that game and completed 19 of 23 passes for 270 yards and two touchdowns. After that, it was back to Calgary, where in 2012, the team lost the West semifinal 36-30. This time around, Saskatchewan did not stop beating the Stampeders 35-13. The 2013 Saskatchewan Rough Riders became champions handedly, beating the Hamilton Tiger Cats 45-23 to win the Grey Cup. But that's only a small part of a much bigger story. Corey Chamberlain, I was the head coach of the 2013 Grey Cup team, and I'm back here now excited more than ever to see these guys again. It only feels right to start with Corey, still the youngest head coach in Saskatchewan Rough Rider history. He was 34 when general manager Brendan Tamman hired him in December 2011. I can remember telling my mom, I said, when I'm probably about 45 or 50, I'll probably be a head coach in the CFL. And it was five months later, I was a head coach in the CFL. So it went from <laughs> 15 to 20 years to five months later, yeah. you know, that I was able to do it. It was a huge role. But I didn't really see it as that, you know, because I've been with some good coaches prior in the CFL and watched them and grew. You know, did I ever think that we would win it that quick? No. The duo brought the club one of its finest moments, ultimately let go mid-season in 2015 when the Riders started 0-9. 
The 2013 Grey Cup win was Corey's first as a CFL head coach, but second overall. He was the defensive backs coach for Calgary when the Stampeders won in 2008. Then in 2017, he earned his third ring as the Toronto Argonauts defensive coordinator, defensive backs coach and assistant head coach. Corey is now 46 and still coaching, most recently in the USFL, living with his wife and their two kids in Phoenix, Arizona. So welcome back to Saskatchewan, Corey. Obviously not your first time being back since 2013, and you've been in, in the stadium before actually as a, an opposing coach. What is it like to be back here now to be honored in this way? It's surreal. You know, it's a, it's a good moment. You know, 10 years later, here we are. You know, we didn't win the championship in this stadium, but, you know, it, it feels good to be back. I've seen a number of the coaches, a number of the players, and a number of the staff. So it's good, you know, for us to be able to have that glow in our eyes, you know, to be able to celebrate that moment that we had in 2013. Now the 2013 team, of course, is being inducted into the plaza. I want to know how you feel about getting to share this honor with a team because there aren't that many teams in Saskatchewan Rough Rider history that get to do what you're doing right now. It's still a process for me to process it, you know, because that it is a huge honor. You know, being here as a head coach years ago, I understand what it means to be inducted into the Plaza of Honor. So for us to be able to do it at a team, you know, I think that's cool because, you know, 10 years ago we won it. But I think it's going to be even cooler in about 10 or 15, 20 years when we look back at it. It's like, man, this is what we really did. And I just won a championship 10 years ago to celebrate. But we've also been inducted into the Plaza of Honor. I think that's going to be an even bigger honor for us to look back and say we did it as a team. What an amazing way to have a 10-year reunion. Obviously, not every single player is here, but nearly. We have a really big group. So uh, what has it been like just to get reconnected with some of the guys? Uh, it's been awesome, you know, to really see them, you know, to see their faces again, to feel their energy again. It, it makes you appreciate the moment to be able to see them and be here and now with them. How did you find out about the induction? Was it a phone call, an email? Well, everybody knows it's Tyron Brackenridge. <laughs> Brack's gonna make it, it, Brack, Brack's the glue on the team. Brack's the messenger on the team and everything. You know, he hit me with a text and then he called me. He's like, hey, we're going in, we're going in. So, you know, it was exciting just to hear about it. And then next is always going to be Tristan Jackson that gives me a call. So uh, it, it was pretty good to hear those guys being excited, you know, 10 years later that, hey, we finally, here's our next, you know, big achievement. And you were the head coach of the Riders from 2012 to 2015. What do you remember most about just living and working in Regina and doing it at a historic Mosaic Stadium? 2015 and a half. I didn't finish the whole season, so <laughs> make sure you put the half on there. <laughs> All right, you said it, Corey. You 2015 it. and a half. Bob Dice was the other half. So Got it, <laughs> I yeah. love Bobby. No, that's, that's, I'm cool with that. The past is the past. Uh, you know, my wife and I talked about it. She's like, are you going to visit the old house? I said, no, I remember where we lived. Uh, it was great. You know, it was great. The moment was great. I had a son born here. You know, we still look at the photos. My kids grew up here, you know, we, and so it's beautiful. It's, it's more than just football. It's about life, you know, and this was a part of my life path to be a part of uh, the Saskatchewan Roof Riders, to live in Regina, you know, to experience all those things, you know, the winters, you know, all those different things. So it's a part of who I am. It's a part of my family. We love it. I love it. Um, you know, the football is, is secondary to, to just having life here. So I'm appreciative of every moment that I've had and even now being able to come back. And what did your kids have to say about this? Uh, they're like, Dad, where are you going? What are they inducting you? Okay, so they were cool <laughs> and, you know, they, they, they were good. I'm sure uh, someday that they'll be able to come back and really understand it. They're 12 and 10, but they're excited about it. You mm -hmm. know, they're like, Dad, they're inducting you. You know, that's cool. Your team won it. You know, they, they kind of understand it and they'll understand it more as time goes along. 
Now, the 2013 championship was so special. We can't overstate that. But there was so much to that season that was intentional. I always think about the mini camp down south as a great example, making sure the entire team was in on that from the start. How did you prepare for that season? That preparation, and when you talk to BT, that preparation, it wasn't just that offseason. It was 30 minutes after the game in Calgary when we lost the playoff game the previous season, you know, with about 16 seconds left. You know, as I spoke of earlier, that team, you know, we probably could have taken the next step, but it wasn't a great cup ready team. You know, not just that, but the football guys wanted to see fit that we got stronger so we can win on home turf. So, you know, it was a moment that, uh, you know, it started in that, on that plane ride with BT and I coming back saying these are the things that we need to do. Without the thought of even having a great cup at home, this is what we need to do to, to be stronger as a team. So, you know, you, you think about that, then you go through the offseason and you think about all the things that we need to do. You know, BT, Jill, those guys did a good job of bringing the player personnel in saying this is what we need to be stronger as a team. Uh, you know, I had to mature in some areas as a coach to be able to lead, so there was a lot of maturation there in terms of uh, just – going from being a coach to being a championship coach. I've seen a lot of them in this league, so there was a lot of maturation there. And uh, the biggest thing is sitting down and saying, what is it going to take for us to win a championship? And it was everyone being all in. And that's what it was, from the players uh, to the coaches to the staff to everyone in the organization all the way down to the team store in the front office. So uh, everyone was all in, and we won it. What do you consider then, looking back as head coach, the most pivotal part of that 2013 run for the Grey Cup? The most pivotal part, you know, I think there's two pivots in there. You know, the first is overcoming that four-game uh, streak, mm -hmm. losing streak. And, you know, I told people, you know, a lot of times they look at the rings, you know, there, there's four emeralds, and they say it's for the four gray cups. I was like, for me, it was the four-game losing streak because those, oh, that was wow. a cornerstone of us being able to build a championship team. So at the end of the day, it was about those four losses, being able to overcome them. We didn't have the best record, but we ended up finding that medal that we needed to to become a championship team. And also in the playoffs, uh, just being able to pivot versus BC in a game that was very tough, you know, that could have went either way. And like I said, with Darian ended it with uh, his legs and turned that game around. So those are the two pivotal moments that led us to be able to have a championship run on home turf. What was the most challenging part then of coaching that 2013 team? Ah, uh, the most challenging part. The biggest thing we had to do with that is we had a lot of stars. Mm -hmm. And stars become egos. You know, the biggest thing is, is, is being able to allow these guys to be themselves individually, but also come together as a team. Do you remember the day of the Grey Cup? I'm sure you do, but do you remember what it was like? Can you take me through it? I can't take you all the way through the beginning of that day. I just uh, There's a couple of moments like I know that the guys were supposed to come out one by one in the tunnel, and they decided to come out all together. And, and, and I think Brendan or someone's looking at me is like, they can't do it. I'm like, well, they're going to do it. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was an all-in moment. They decided to do it all together. And I think that was the biggest thing that I remember, that they took it upon themselves to say, we're going to do this all together. And when you look at a championship team, it's not just the coaches. The coaches lead them, but at some point, you got to have championship players that decide to take it among themselves to finish the job, and that's what they did. How about in the game itself? You know, is there a call or a play that still sticks out for you, better or worse? <laughs> yes, as time goes along, you know, I haven't watched the game as time goes along. The moment, the biggest moment when I knew is I think Darren may have fumbled the ball and it went in Corey Sheets' hand. And I was like, all right, here it is. It's done. <laughs> you know, it's one of those Pittsburgh Steelers, I guess, Franco Harris moments and all that. Yep. Not angels in the outfield, angels in the infield or whatever. I, I knew that was a magical moment. 
And it's like, okay, we just got to finish. You know, and there's so many signs of different things that happen. But that moment is the, the play that sticks out. It's like, this is it. You know, we're going to sell it. And I don't remember what quarter it was. I just know that, that gave me the confidence. I have it on good authority from equipment manager Gordon Gilroy Uh-oh. that the party in the locker room, <laughs> first of all, went on forever. There was just a lot of alcohol, but we don't have to talk about that. So it ended? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Maybe it's still going yeah, on. We don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> but how did you celebrate uh, what you can share, I guess? You know, for me, I'm one of those guys that, you know, that moment, you know, to see all those guys celebrate. To be honest with you, I saw it. I was there. And I went back to really, if I'm not mistaken, to have a seat in my office. Not mm-hmm. to be antisocial, but just to soak it all in, to celebrate, you know. Um, and, and not even just to celebrate, but just, you know, to take account of what really happened. You know, the celebration for me is a little different for them because I was able to have joy to see them be able to celebrate because I knew what they had went through and what they needed to do to accomplish that moment. So my celebration was simple. Go back to my office and just look and just be thankful. What is something then that might surprise people to learn about the 2013 team or even the season? Mm, I'm going to tell you the biggest surprise, then, Corey Sheets. The biggest surprise is how he almost not became a rider. Uh, okay. Yeah, so this yeah. is a good point. Uh, I remember we had five running backs in Florida. It was 2012. We were at IMG, and Brendan said, we need to cut the roster down. We need to cut it down. Oh, no. And he couldn't catch a ball to save his life in Florida. And I, I think Dice, or who was it? One of the coaches was like, uh, it was 12, and Dice was like, I'm not sure this guy can't catch. And even in the preseason game, I think he was listed as the third running back. But I remember a couple of the running backs fumbling before him. He's like, okay, get in sheets. And I remember him making a long run, and I can't remember who I told him. I said, go tell Brendan this is my running back. Mm-hmm. So, And that was in 12, and then he took off from there to become Corey Sheets. I mean, we would not have thought that he would have been a great cup MVP and he looked the way he looked because he had been out of football, I think, from the Miami Dolphins. So just to have him here on that 2013 team, it goes back to that moment that he was almost not a writer. And if you look at that, if we don't put those pieces together in 12, those needed guys, then we don't do what we need to do in 13. Well, you won the CFL Coach of the Year Award that year in 2013. Looking back, how would you just describe that year in your life? I look at the the trophy every day. Uh, I look at it. And what it serves to me is just a magical moment that no matter what's going on in my life, each and every day, my kid's life, my wife's life, whatever it may be, we look at it that you can overcome anything. You know, it doesn't matter what it looks like right now. You can overcome that if you keep pushing, if you keep believing that you will become a champion in whatever it is and achieve your goals. And that's what I do on a daily basis. So, you know, that was huge for me to be able to receive that, you know, coach of the year. And I can remember the one thing that really stood out was after I won that, I bought plaques for my assistant coaches. That's assistant coaches of the year. That's amazing. You know, so that's the biggest thing that stood out. You can't do it alone. Our next guest was a rider defensive back that later joined Corey Chamberlain on the coaching side in Toronto. Hello, everybody. I'm Tyron Brackenridge, former free safety, 2013 Grey Cup champ. You dig? He originally signed with the Riders in 2011 after a stint in the NFL. Through five years in Saskatchewan, Tyron recorded 254 defensive tackles, 18 special teams tackles, 10 interceptions, and four sacks. In 2013, he was named the CFL's hardest hitter in a TSN poll. He was also named a CFL All-Star for the first time in his career, recording 48 tackles, six special teams tackles, and three interceptions. He'd be an All-Star again in 2014. But before all of that, 
Chiron and the team had to learn to carry themselves as champions in everything they did and said. Nowadays, we always talk about manifestation. And from the very beginning, he said, we marked the, what was it, 177 days until the Great Cup. He said, if we're going to be champs, I'm going to address you guys as champs. And that was the biggest thing. Every morning, good morning, champs. Good morning, champ. We have to respond back. The thing was, and that's why our theme is now, all in. You know what I'm saying? And he always said, we have to win all day, every day, in all that we do. Right? In all that we do. Not just win on the field. If we want to be the champs that we are, we have to also win off the field. So that was huge. And that was our greeting every day, every breakdown. That's what we believed. We believed we were champs. We knew we were champs. And we had the opportunity to go out and play in that championship game to solidify that we are champs. So that, that, was, that was huge. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it's already been a busy start for you and the team coming back to Regina and reconnecting with everyone. How has that been like for you? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I was just talking about this. It's like, you know, um, being here, you know, just the, the, the fan embracement of just nothing but love and support. As years go by, we forget because you go home, you don't get that same recognition, that same love and things like that. Like you get it a little here and there from, you know, friends and family of knowing what you do. But when you here, you get it everywhere you go. Right. So when you go away and then coming back and you feel that warmth again of love and support and people still remember you and recognize you. And the time that we did it and won that championship, it's just like it makes it that much more special again, you know. And it's like, all right, that filled us up to carry it more, you know. And to do it here in Regina in front of all the fans, the streets were flooded. It was crazy. It was the night of my uh, daughter's third birthday. She was out there freezing her tail off. And uh, it was um, Premier Brad Wall's birthday that night. You know, you couldn't even – we partied in the locker room so long, and then you come out. And it's like the streets are still flooded. Still going. You know, going. it was like, it was it was just like, it was amazing. You know, I, you could walk through the crowd, like <laughs> nobody know who you are because there was just so much going on, you know. And it was just like, man, it, it was, you couldn't ask for a better night. You kicked off your speech, a little bit of a speech, I will say, at the gala with a big howl. Can we get one of those? That's the Wolfpack. I right loved there. it. Yeah, you, you referenced the Wolfpack. Tell me about the Wolfpack. Oh, so this is how the Wolfpack started. It's a bunch of us DBs. So the DBs and the old linemen, we were always at each other. And it was as it should be. Yeah. And it was in a friendly, loving way. They were like the big brothers. We were the annoying little brothers, right? It was actually like we were like wolves and they were the bears. You know, the bears <laughs> and wolves actually go out of each other. So it was like that. So Macho always was antagonizing the old linemen guys, right? Mm -hmm. All the time. And one day I practiced, they were making fun of us and they were like kind of making like a uh, like a, a, a hurt dog sound or whatever. Ooh. And we were like, nah, we turned it into something powerful. Like, nah, you know what? This is a wolf pack. And we just start howling. So every day before practice or we're doing stretch of practice, we'll just start howling. <laughs> right? And we it just kind of went on from there. And that that right there, you know, just by even doing that, that made our group that much tighter. Because we were, we were always like we were horsing around with the old linemen. There was a time where they were just like they just they all got together and just start mauling us like some big old bears. Right? We were they were grabbing us, throwing us in the cold tub and stuff like that. Like it was, it was like one of those days where it was just it was all fun and games, you know. And 
I, our group was just, it was, we had a very, very special group. What does it mean, by the way, to have this induction with the team? It's a truly honor. Just blessed. It's crazy. Uh, two weeks ago, I just got inducted into my junior college Hall of Fame. Congratulations. And thank you. Thank you. So two weeks ago and then come up here, you know, it was uh, two Thursdays ago. And then last night, Thursday, I'm like, oh, hey. I'm on a roll right now, you know. Uh, but it, to be able to share, like I said, with the group that we had, or have, because I feel like we're still that group, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to be inducted together, that was remarkable. So I, I couldn't ask for anything better. I mean, we talk about the defense of that year, highlighted in what was accomplished in the Grey Cup and that Calgary game especially, but let's not forget that you actually shut out Hamilton as well. 37 nothing yeah, yeah. at home. You know, you had moments mm -hmm. like that early on in the season. I mean, what made you so dominant? Again, from what we had in 2012, and then the key pieces we brought over in 2013. You could tell by like training camp, the practices in camp was just, it was like second to none. But we knew that we wasn't quite there yet. We were good. We were really freaking good. <laughs> but we wasn't quite there yet because we're still learning each other. Like a lot of us played with each other in 2012. And then there was a couple that wasn't with us. So it was kind of like, you know, different styles. So the way as the year went and we shaped up, okay, we want we got T Jack and Terrell Mays. They're on the strong side. Those were they were roommates throughout you know mm -hmm. throughout the mm -hmm. years, right? Yep. And they knew how to work with each other. Me and Macho, he was the Sam. You know, me and Macho knew how to work with each other, right? You had Da and uh, Weldon. They were kind of interchangeable. Da was on one side. Rod was on the other side. They knew how to work together. But then when Weldon got over there, Weldon and Rod Williams. They played together in Edmonton. Oh, they knew each other. Yeah. They they either from the same state and everything, right? So their relationship were very well, and they knew how to work with each other. So once all of that, after we got done moving pieces, and then we brought that together and solidified that. Like I mean, we were dominant in the back end. We had the depth. We had the uh, the the skilled players, and it was like if one guy go down, another guy could fill in, and there wasn't much drop off at all. That's what really made us that special group as a defense. And we, again, the time we all spent with each other, trusting each other, understanding each other, we couldn't be stopped. I loved what you had to say about the motivation you were given when it comes to thinking about this Grey Cup is in our house, and if we're not there, someone else is sitting in our seat. Mm -hmm. Well, like I was saying, just imagine somebody coming to your house <laughs> that you don't know and putting their cheeks in your seat. Yeah, that's the line. That was great. Yeah. You know, we're not having that. You know, it's like, come on, man. This is this is this is our crib. This is our year. It was the way we were ensemble. We were aligned. It was aligned perfectly for us. The story couldn't have been written any better. You know, I don't think it would have been as special if we would have went undefeated and did it. You know, or things like that. Like, it it couldn't have been written any better. You know, we started off on fire. We were put out for, you know, a few weeks, and and we had to get back on the roll. And, you know, we knew that we had to protect our house. We knew that that stadium wasn't going to be up no more. It was the last year, you know, that the stadium was pretty uh, was up or whatever. And a lot of us knew we wasn't going to make it to the new stadium. But <laughs> but we knew, hey, we, we had a hand in this, you know, and to be able to be a part of this and see this built up. But, no, 
We didn't want nobody sitting in our seats. You talk about being aligned. I also really love that you brought up the camping trip because that's something when I chatted with Neil Hughes back when the induction was announced, that memory is so special for him, something that he always did. So Mm -hmm. to have everybody there, he said he was surprised. He said that he didn't have enough fish. I think he may have gone out for more. (laughs) But I mean, what what do you take from that experience? Those moments were unreal. When I first came, they're like, yeah, we got a camping trip, you know, da 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 I'm like, ah, uh, what's going on, you know? I get up there, and just to be able to sit back and just see everybody just living it up, having fun. We're playing drinking games, you know, guys just have their lawn chairs, have darts, you <laughs> sit beers on the ground. Yeah. I've never seen stuff like this, you know? They're sitting beers on the ground, and you just sit there and throw a dart at the beer, and then if they hit it, you got to drink it fast. Like, <laughs> we're sitting around campfires, we're telling stories, we're playing uh, we're on this camping trip I brought that game, you know. <laughs> we're doing all these things, playing bocce ball, playing frisbee, and we're just chilling among, at the night. It's nobody else but us as a team. And you get to sit down and you get to actually know some of your teammates, you know, and it's just in a setting of outside the locker room, nothing to do with football, nothing to do with football. Neil Hughes, he will be over there. He's he's cutting up, the, yeah. slicing up the fish, deboning it, doing all that stuff, right? Uh, people's bringing in different meats. and He's doing the hard work. Yeah, he's making sure everyone's fed. Right, right. You know, and everybody's just bringing in, you know, their own coolers. And so that, that right there, like, that truly brings you together. And that just really lets you know, like, this is bigger than football because the relationships that we build with one another is going to last a lot longer than football. And those big, a lot of those big moments were created at those camping grounds. There is nothing like the bond of playing together, let alone sharing the thrill of winning a championship at home. But for our next guest, that last part almost didn't happen. I'm Tristan Jackson, played defensive back in the return man for Saskatchewan, uh, I think 2011 through 2015. So you were part of the Wolfpack? Always as well, (laughs) part of the Wolfpack. Yeah, obviously I chatted with Brackenridge and he was telling me you guys were so tight. Oh, and to this day, and to this day, we still really close, really good friends. I call them like my brothers. If I'm going through something, I give them a call, him, Terrell, Weldon, Rod, uh, like all of them. We hate Rod's not here right now. Unfortunately, he had um, bad weather in Dallas, so his flights got canceled. I was just texting him just now, so um, we still love him. We we, going to celebrate for him. That's awesome. And where is home for you right now? And what what do you do right now? I live in St. Albert, Alberta. Now I work in the oil field uh, as a safety safety guy. So, yes, I got like a little – I contract myself out to save the company, so it's doing really well. I've been crazy busy. Uh, got three kids, mm-hmm. wife, so it's life is amazing, blessing, super blessed. I was gonna say you stayed in Canada. I is did. that because of the family? Yes, that's why. Yes, nice. no, if it wasn't up to me, I'd be in Mississippi right now. Though <laughs> I, I, I love, I love the country life. Get to ride horses and stuff, and just get to hunt and fish and stuff. But um, Canada is a good time, though. We we've been super blessed here. We got great people, and so it's it's a good time, though. So let's get to the 2013 year. It's been so fun to reminisce with some of your teammates, but I love getting the personal take because sometimes what you see on the outside isn't everything that's going on on the inside. For you, what was that year like? It was wild. It was wild for me because I got released before camp started, right? So I'll never forget. I was on because I trained racehorses as well, right, at the time. And, um, and out in Edmonton, oh, yeah, I'm a country boy, so I love I that. love it. I'm like, you just <laughs> casually dropped that <laughs> yes, in there. By the oh, way, but a lot of people that knows me, they know I love horses and stuff, right? So I was out training racehorses, and I got a missed call from, I want to say, from somebody in Saskatchewan. I think it was BT. 
And then he was like, um, I think it was like a couple of days before I was going to be going up. And he was like, um, I want to talk to you before you. I'm like, why are you calling me? Like, what's going on? So he, I called him back. He was like, yo, we're going to have to let you go. Oh, devastated. Oh, hurt. I wasn't hurt because they released me. I was just hurt because I knew that team was really good for all the guys they were playing. And I just knew I was going to have a spot there because, I mean, of course, it's, I thought I was going to be good enough to make the team. I just played well there for the last couple of years there. And I was just so hurt. And then, but um, he was like, we're not giving up on you, hundred. We're not closing the door on you 100%. Um, he said, we want our return to come from the offensive side of the ball. I think he just made that story up just to try to make me feel better. But it didn't make me feel better at all. <laughs> I was hurt. Um, and um, I called I call my, my lady at the time. I was like, oh, Saskatchewan just released me. She was like, really? Why? I was like, I don't know. So um, I, was like, I was just so hurt and confused. And um, I watched the games and stuff. I started watching the guys play. I think they jumped out before I got here. It was like 4-0, 5-0 before I got here. And um, I was just sick just sitting home. While I was working and started working um, in the oil field, uh, laboring, work, just working hard. And then one day I got a phone call from that same number. I, I missed the call, and he left a voice message. When I called him back, he said, uh, here's the scenario. I said, BT, if you want me back, I don't care what the scenario is. I want to be there. He said, all right, we'll, we'll get you signed up, and we'll have you flying out tomorrow. I called the wife. I was like, look, I gotta, they just called me back. I'm going back to Saskatchewan. And I was just so happy to just get back and be a part of this team because I knew this team was going to be special. And I mean, I guess it's easy to say that now after they won, we won the Grey Cup, but I knew this was a really good team. Like Coach Chain, he was – Amazing coach, probably the best coach I ever played for, and I played for a lot of different coaches. His personality, he held everybody accountable, right? Like he'll never let you get too low and never let you get too high, and that's what you need. And he knew how to manage all the characters we had in our locker room as well. We had lots of characters that year for sure. So then when you come in at that point, you know, was it a, a quick fit back in? Like did you feel good about being there or did it take a little bit? Just like I never left. So as soon as I come in, the guy come open, open arms and hugging me. I called a couple of guys before. I'm like, bro, I'm coming back. They were like, yo, man, we need a return. We need this. Even though Jock was doing a great job, but Jock had got hurt. He had got hurt, so he couldn't play, so they needed a return. And I was just like, bro, I'm just happy to be back. You know, um, if I can get my – I always tell myself, if I can just get to the door, I can find a way to get in there. So they got me to the door. And, and I think that first game, I ended up starting that first game, and then the rest of history. Did it feel in a way, I mean, again, it's, it's nice with hindsight, but did it feel in a way like, wow, this was really meant to be. This needed to happen exactly this way. It did. I remember when I was playing in Calgary, and we beat Calgary. And I'm not an emotional guy. I mean, I'm an emotional guy, but I don't show my emotions. That was a lot of people don't know about me. So, but when we won in Calgary, I just looked at the, the, the scoreboard, and everybody was just celebrating. I was just sitting there. I remember B. Miles, he looked at me, he like, TJ, what's wrong? I just felt just broke down crying, just crying. And I don't, and I don't even cry. I, I just broke down crying. He was like, man, why, why are you crying? You should be happy. I was like, dang, B, just think about it, bro. I was working in the pipeline here, just grinding. I was watching y'all guys. Man, I remember Coach Chain let me talk because I was telling Coach Chain this same story. I was like, man, I was, man, I was sitting there on, on TV just watching you guys, just getting out work early so I can come watch you guys play, and I'm here with you guys celebrating. You know what I mean? So that was just – and we haven't even got to the Great Cup. We were yeah. just on our way to the Great Cup. <laughs> I was just so happy. And I was just crying. I remember May just looked at me. He just hugged me. He was like, hey, Jack, bro, we got this, man. So it, it was, it's, it's touching for sure. 
I just want to go back to the comment you made about Corey Chamberlain being the best coach that you've played for. I mean, what was a difference maker? For one, he he's like a southern coach, so that's what we grew up on. I'm from the <laughs> south, right? There so he just he just hard nose, and he he just keep you humble and push you push you to the limits you didn't even know you had. And and I loved it. Like I love to be pushed. I'm one of the type of guys that I like all that just just hard nose because I grew up rough, right? Like my uncles and I always tell people all the time, bro. Like how my brothers and my uncles and raised me when I was playing football. I can never do good. I can score ten touchdowns one game, have twenty tackles, and I they still gonna say you ain't doing enough. So that's how Coach Chain was, and it just just kept me humble. And and, and I have a really good story about Coach Chain because when I first got here, me and Coach Chain didn't get along. Okay. When Chang got here in 2012, so when he come in, I felt like he didn't like who I was at at the time. You know, I, he he did not because he, he, I, I don't know. It's 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 funny though. I, we always talk about it now. I tell him now, but now I love Chang. We always talk. I talked to him in the off season ever since 2013. I'll call him. We all have conversations and stuff. And well. It's a good perspective, though, and a good reminder that not every relationship starts out, oh, oh no, we no, all no, loved sure. each other, everything was oh, great, man. especially when it comes to your coaches. So how did you reconcile that? I just kept playing hard for him. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be me no matter what. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm the type of guy where I'm going to give you everything I got. No matter how I feel about you, when I'm out on the field, it's me out there. You know what I mean? I'm always going to represent me and my family because of my last name, right? So that's just how I was. Um, and, like, I, when I got released, I told my wife. My wife was like, what's going on? Like, I just feel like. The head coach didn't really like, I want one of his guys at the time. She was like, wow. I was like, I was like, baby, that's just how life goes. Like, you don't get along with everybody. I just, but he's a great coach. I said, he's a great coach. Like, never said nothing bad about him. It, you know what I'm saying? And um, when he called me back and I just kept playing hard. I just told him, like, Coach Chang, like, I'm going to give you everything I got. You know me. Like, I'm I'm a hard-nosed guy. You you saw me practice. Like, you can't break me because you ain't make me. It, it's, it's impossible. That's just the way I'm raised, right? Well, and isn't that a marker of a good coach <laughs> to know that even if maybe you didn't get along right oh, yeah. up the hop, let's bring him back. Let's oh, make yeah, sure he's sure. part of oh, it. Oh, for sure. And, and, and I really appreciate that they released me and brought me back. Like, it opened my eyes and it changed my whole life. Like, the success I have right now is because I got released and – I had to grind back because I'm all, I always been a humble guy, right? I never got too high. I'm like, oh, I'm just too good. But when once they released me, it really opened my eyes. Like, hey, you got to always be on your stuff. You can't take anything for granted, like nothing, like life, not nothing. And when he brought me back into this day, that's how I lived my life. Tristan Jackson spent five of his nine CFL seasons with Saskatchewan. He won a second Grey Cup while playing for the Ottawa Red Blacks in 2016. In March 2019, Tristan signed a one-day deal with Saskatchewan to retire a rider. Through 75 career games in green and white, Tristan finished second in club history in kickoff returns with 146 and kickoff return yards with 3,435. Jackson still has the longest field goal return in club history at 129 yards for a touchdown. Over his career, Jackson ranks second in kickoff return yards, 6,478, and fifth overall in total return yards, 10,868 all time. And he was far from the only rider who put up numbers. Enter our next guest. Hi everybody, this is Corey Sheets, Grey Cup MVP 2013. How y'all doing? Yes, Grey Cup MVP 
Corey Sheets. He earned that after rushing for a Grey Cup record 197 yards and scoring two touchdowns. Sheets spent just two seasons, 2012 and 2013, in the CFL. In his 33 games with the Riders, he recorded 2,875 yards and 23 touchdowns on 516 carries. But after the high of the Grey Cup, Corey never played another regular season game in the CFL or NFL. In August 2014, he suffered a torn Achilles during an NFL exhibition game. Corey now lives in Tampa Bay, Florida, and was all smiles when we sat down for our chat. First of all, welcome back to Regina. How long has it been since you've been here? I think 2018 I came back for something. When the stadium just opened up, t- called me and told me they put my locker in the store. So what does it mean for you to share this Plaza of Honor induction with the team? For me, it's eye-opening. It's refreshing. It makes me feel appreciated just because I feel like places I've been, I've done a lot of work, and I've never been really recognized. So this is honestly the first time I've been receiving any recognition for the things I've done in the past. I mean, we wouldn't have a 2013 Grey Cup without you. I'm not overstating that, Corey. It's absolutely true. When you think about that year, how would you describe it? Some people would think it was stressful, but it was, we was having fun, to be honest with you. Like, everything, it was, it was work, but we were having fun with the work. So it didn't seem like that. And it honestly seemed like we were just getting up doing something that we loved. And that season, it seemed like everything was, it just fell into place, even when things went bad. It seemed like we needed that bad thing to happen so that we can adjust and make ourselves stronger. So fortifying the fort, basically, finding the weak spots. And we found the weak spots, closed those up, and made sure we had none. That four-game slump in particular, it's something that Coach Corey Chamberlain has mentioned, a number of other players have mentioned is really pivotal, but it was partly because you were out of the mix. You had an injury. So how did you grapple with that adversity during the year? It was painful to watch just because, like you said, it seemed like the only thing that they was missing was me. <laughs> and, like, sitting at home watching the games on TV, like, I just remember the Montreal game, and we lost that game, but it was close. And I, I remember sitting there watching the game, like, on the last few drives, and I'm like, damn, if I was in this game, they would have gave me the ball and I would have scored. Like, hands down, no question yeah. about it. And it made me realize that I probably was the most valuable player in the season that year. Like, because other teams won without, like, say, Cornish. Uh, Calgary won without Cornish. The Riders couldn't win without Corey. Like, I downplay it as much as possible just because I don't want to seem like y'all needed me. But we did. (laughs) I'm sitting here nodding along, Corey, because it's important to actually own that, to understand that. You were such a key piece to it. It was deserved when it came to the accolades that you got after, too. I mean, let's let's go to that. I'm going to jump around a bit. But obviously, at the gala, there's this beautiful video that kind of revisited all the moments. And there's the confetti, and there's your smile, and you're getting the MVP. <laughs> and it's just such a big moment. What goes through your mind when you when you watch that back? Um, it was crazy. I was unhappy. Mm. Like You said I was smiling and stuff, but I was... I was unhappy because I, I felt like that was just another step in the ladder I was just trying to take to climb to where I was trying to go. 
So, like, I had fun. And if anybody remembers, like, I left mm-hmm. the very next day wow. after the Grey Cup. Didn't partake in none of the celebrations. And for me, I felt like it's just because I was – my mind was focused on what's next. Let's get to the next thing. I know I'm headed back to the NFL possibly. Mm-hmm. So, let's, let's get to that. Let's, let's, let's go. Like, I didn't want to waste no time. I wanted to, to, to get the ball rolling and get back to work, to be honest with you. So I, I enjoyed that night as much as possible, but I was focused on what's next. Do you regret it all? Missing? Yes, yes, I do. Because like, when I look back and I talk to people that weekend, I should have been celebrating. I should have took the time to appreciate what I've done, what we did, basically. And after I stopped playing football, like dealing with like mental issues, mm-hmm. That was one thing that I, I regretted, like not coming back or not staying after the Grey Cup and leaving so fast like I did. You have been very open about that, about how difficult it was, because, you know, from the outside, you can definitely understand there's this high of everything that you've done. And then you do go to the NFL, but you also sustain an injury. What were those years like for you? Man, rough. I, I dealt with a lot of a lot of crazy things, a lot of dark times. But when I finally opened up to people, I started getting help and started getting better. So if anybody's out there listening that's dealing with any mental issues, talk to somebody. It don't matter who it is, just talk to somebody. So, and I think that was the the number one thing that helped me start getting the path to being better. We are so grateful you're here, Corey. (laughs) We're so grateful you're here, not just to celebrate this moment, but to celebrate the fact that you are more than football, football is one part of your story, but you're here. Mm-hmm. What is life like now for you? What, what do you do now? I'm a, I'm a daddy. I finally uh, completed something that I wanted to do, uh, had kids, and now I spend my time raising my kids. Um, I have two kids. Corey is the oldest. He's two. He was born August 12th, um, what, 21? And then my youngest is Kamari. He's one, and he was born on uh, August 14th. 22. <laughs> oh, their birthdays are two days apart. I yes. love that. Uh, actually, August, uh, it's, it's a long week for me. Yeah. The, the mother of my children, her birthday is August 10th. My mother is August 11th. My brother is the 13th. Then my sister is the 19th. <laughs> and then their uncle is the 21st. So. <laughs> so I'm also born in August, and I'm just going, that's a lot of Leo energy. <laughs> lot, Corey, of, you are dealing with some... Uh, some lions. Yes, some lions. <laughs> but superstars, right? Yes. And, and I, I like to tease them, like, y'all y'all the lion, y'all the lion pack, but I'm the goat. Because <laughs> I, I was born in March, so I'm an Aries. Absolutely. <laughs> I love the double meaning of the goat, too. That's fantastic. <laughs> Let's go back to, of course, when you did play here. And it was had a fascinating chat with Corey Chamberlain yesterday. And he mentioned to me, I just asked, you know, what would surprise people about this team? And he goes, the fact that Corey Sheets almost wasn't our running back. <laughs> I want to know, did, did you know that? It, it happened apparently training camp 2012. They weren't so sure who was going to be the guy. Yes. And then you you stepped out in the preseason and made it happen. Yeah, that's crazy. We was actually talking about that. Um, so when I first got here, um, the running back position wasn't the highlight of the offense. So coming into training camp, and this was new to me, we didn't have meetings. Oh, my goodness. The, the running back groups. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a whole position team that's just – we're sitting in the meetings, listening to the plays being taught. But as a group, the running backs didn't have 
position meetings, basically. And me coming up here, I looked at it as this is my last chance to play football. Y'all not about to screw me over because <laughs> y'all not mm-hmm. giving, teaching me to play. So I actually, like, cussed out one of the coaches, but I, I, I yelled at him, like, yo, y'all not – y'all want me to make this team, right? So y'all need to teach me the plays and help us learn. Like, I'm not – y'all not about to cut me because y'all didn't teach me. Y'all mm-hmm. didn't help me. And after that – we started having meetings. I started learning plays and, and getting more comfortable with the offense. And my natural ability just showed. And I remember going into a BC game that, that first week and looked at the depth chart. I was fourth. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just sitting here like, God damn it, I'm, this ain't working. Like, <laughs> yeah. And got in the game and my first carry was a big run. And I looked around and was like, this is easy. And it's crazy, like, people don't understand it. Like, when I was playing, it came easy. I didn't really have to work hard to be successful in the field, but I did work hard, if anybody knows me. Like, I was up after every game running stadiums with 50-pound weight vests on. When I did practice, I practiced with a weight vest on. Little things like that people didn't know. Like, I would get, they would tackle me, like, what the hell, is, what are you wearing? Like, I got 50-pound weight vests on, bro. Like, <laughs> I got the team on my back, so I got I to gotta feel that in practice. People watching me, and they understood that I started getting more people. Like, I started having company when I was running those stadiums after the games. So yeah. It turned into a, a little club type of thing. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why we were so good as a team is because off the field we liked each other and, and cared about each other. So I feel like that was one of the thing reasons why we were such a, a great team is the love. Good group of guys, obviously, that you get to reconnect with. Who have you been yeah, oh, mo- kind of most excited to see again? Actually, it was crazy. I haven't really seen Darian since I left. And on my way up here, I ran into him. Just I was talking to somebody, and he looked up like, Sheets? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and I'm, I looked up, I'm like, oh, my God, bro, I got a bone to pick with you. Like, where, <laughs> where have you been? I've not heard from you, seen you. But I'm, like, I'm sure I'm going to catch up with him in a little yeah. bit. But th- that was he was – I was surprised to see him. I knew it was coming, but it was just a, the way it happened. I was shocked. That connection, that season, what was it like working with him? I was talking about this yesterday. Uh, Darian, to, for me, and I don't know if he ever felt it, but I looked at him as like a big brother. And I, we're around the same age, but I looked at him as a, a teacher and a guide. And I was under his wing, basically. So if anybody don't know, like, I, I'm, that's my big brother. <laughs> Oh, I did have to ask. Of course I have to ask because it's the moment for a lot of people still in that game. Mm-hmm. When you were able to recover the <laughs> ball that was like from the heavens, it just happened where Simone Lawrence is the one who delivers the hit mm-hmm. on Darian. Ball pops up, you catch it, and you go. I mean, do you remember that play? What went through your like, mind? What did you see out there, Corey? It was crazy, but if you watch that season and whenever Darian scrambles, I'm always like kind of – off to the side and I, I will always be like damn just pitch me the ball just one time <laughs> <laughs> I promise you it's gonna work like when you start scrambling just just kick it to me and I promise you we'll take off and when it happened in the game in my mind when you start to, to scramble I was like yo pitch it pitch it pitch it pitch it and then when the ball popped up in the air I was like oh this is my time <laughs> <laughs> you've been waiting is, all I, season I've been waiting all season for him to pitch the ball to me but it, it popped out so when I seen it I was like oh nobody's getting this this, this is my ball I'm going for it, grabbed it, and, and took off running. 42 yards, 
as the ball was knocked out of the hands of Darian Durant. You'd know there'd be some of those plays in this great cup. There's the first one for you right in this first quarter. A big hit from the Hamilton Tiger Cats linebacking core on Darian Durant, who was fighting for yards here. And Corey Sheets, who tries to pick up a block, he got Jamal Johnson, is in the right spot at the right time. How would you like Ryder Nation to remember you? Uh, like you said, that smile, that energy, the the love that I've I've always had, had for this place, the love that it, this place had for me. A fun guy, a great athlete, a, a great father, like all of that stuff. Not every player can be Corey Sheets. You'll actually hear our next guest say as much. Mike McCullough, number 45, uh, 11 years with the Riders, 2003 to 2013, linebacker. McCullough was born in Kingston, Ontario, and spent his entire CFL career with Saskatchewan. He still lives in Regina with wife Laura and their four children. Just last year, Mike was honored as an individual inductee into the Sastel Plaza of Honor. He saw action in 185 games for the green and white, including 110 straight games. He made 187 tackles in his career, played in four Grey Cups, 2007, 2009, 2010, and 2013. He won two, which is why he is back in the plaza in 2023, a proud member of the 2013 Grey Cup Championship team. So we are catching up the morning after the Plaza of Honor induction gala. Safe to say your speech, absolute hit. No surprise. Apparently, yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> How was the night for you? It was great. Just seeing all the guys. I mean, I think there was, I don't even know, 35 guys or something like that. So it's uh, just catching up and seeing them all. And it's like, it's been 10 years and I haven't seen some of those guys in 10 years, but it's uh, like no time's passed at all. And got two more days with them. So I'm going to get the most out of it I can because uh, just, I miss, I miss those guys. Yeah. Who were some of the guys that you could reconnect with? Oh, God, I mean, all of them, but I mean, I hadn't seen Sammy Hurl and six, seven years, you know, Tyron Brackenridge, Tristan Jackson, uh, Darian, hopefully getting in today. I haven't seen, I actually, I saw him a few weeks ago. It was the first time in five years I'd wow. seen him and, but uh, we're missing some key guys. We're missing Dressler and Bag and Butler, which is kind of hurts to not have those guys there, but we, we got a good crew here right now. Of course, we chatted last year when you were inducted as an individual into the Sastel Plaza of Honor. But what is it like to share it with your team? It's different, obviously. Last year was great because it, it was it was more about my career, which I didn't think was that great, but I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> but being able to share just that whole special year with all the guys and have them all there. You know, if they weren't here, it wouldn't quite it wouldn't be very special at all, I don't think. But having them all here and um, just you know seeing them, and I, like I said, I had a quick three or four minute speech yesterday on behalf of the team. Just seeing the audience was 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 big, and it's uh, it's it's special. Like I said, it's we're we're all adults now, but uh, once you get us together, we kind of turn back into those stupid kids, and it's it's fun. It really felt like a ten year reunion. You were roasting a little bit. I love that. But were there any surprises? Just when you see people after so long. You know, did anything surprise you? <laughs> I mean, there's physical surprises because we're older, so I won't pick out anybody in particular. But yeah, we just, I mean, we all we do is rag on each other. It's, we, we did it 10 years ago and now it's, you know, we're still doing the same thing and it's like we're in the locker room. But, uh, you know, we can say stuff to each other and get on each other with things that you can't say or get on other people for, right? And it's, it's, it's just fun, you know, it's, it's no time has passed and still making fun of guys, you know, beards or their hair or lack thereof or gaining weight or too skinny and just everything. It's, it's just it's great. You also talked about the confidence, even the cockiness of this 2013 team. What made this group different? 
I think it was the experience, and uh, as I mentioned last night, just bringing the guys in throughout the off season, we we were like essentially handpicking all stars from the other team and just bringing them in. And in my career, I know we had uh, ebbs and flows with the team, but it seemed like that year everybody wanted to be a part of it. You know, sometimes it's tough to get guys out Saskatchewan to play, but once they hear they love it, but getting them here is difficult. But uh, that didn't seem to be a problem in 2013. And just we were just you know getting these guys, the Dwight Andersons, Foley's, you know, Chicks, Williams, uh, Rod Williams, Ray, Williams. like it was incredible and. Just by the time the season started, you'd look on paper, you thought, oh, my God, we're unstoppable. And, I mean, essentially we were. We had a bit of a couple bumps in the road, but I think that was more just because it was a long season and we never really lost confidence. Although you talked about that, too, about the slump, and you had just gotten back from injury at that point. Yeah, you faced yeah. some adversity that season. Uh, yeah, I got hurt, and I tore my bicep in camp. And uh, and then the first game back, Ray went down, unfortunately, who was basically like you know one of our main leaders on defense. And just I think he was leading the league in sacks at that time, too. So he was having a killer year. And and then uh, I had to come in for him, and <laughs> we lost four in a row. I Hopefully it wasn't because of me. I think it was <laughs> probably uh, all of us, you know, just kind of getting to that mid-season slump. But we came out of it and got the – the few wins we needed to kind of get our position in the playoffs and then finish the season kind of on a down note to losing two, but uh, it just never really concerned us. I mean, obviously we want to win every game, but uh, you know, pri- prior seasons losing those, those games, which put have gotten to us, I think would have shattered our confidence a little bit, but not, not with this group. Yeah. Let's talk about that playoff run because it really did start with a very tough test hosting the BC Lions. Yeah, they came they came in swinging hard and they I remember on defense we could not stop Stefan Logan. He was just on fire and uh I think the guy they must have had well over 100 yards the first half if not 150 and we and then the offense just couldn't get anything going and I don't know what it was. It just it's almost like we were asleep that first half and then went at halftime and there was no panic. I think prior years there would have been some stress and tension and feeling the pressure, but uh no, we just kind of woke up, gave us gave our heads a shake and after that we were a different team from from then on forth all the way to the end of the the Grey Cup. You said it best when it comes to the outscoring, because after that, you didn't let anybody get you. No, no. I think, like I said, it was, I think I did the math. It was like 109 to 44. We had scored our opponents for the last 10 quarters of uh, the playoffs, you know, which is, I mean, that's basically, that's a a touchdown advantage for us every quarter for 10 quarters, which is huge. It's incredible. It's incredible. And the team really put on a show in Calgary. You know, it's just amazing to look back at that. Even just the look of what you were wearing, the all white, it was really fierce. And you're out there in Calgary in cold weather but you guys it's no problem what do you remember about that game I just remember it seemed like that we were creating a turnover every series on defense <laughs> I mean the offense played phenomenal but defense we were lights out and I think it was I want to say around late second quarter I could hear the Calgary guys they were giving up they were done they just they you know not only body language but even the way they were talking to each other like they they knew it was over even before the the half um so that was kind of nice because I hate Calgary so much and <laughs> Like Cornish and those guys, I hated those guys. I still, to this day, I don't even like seeing Cornish. Um, <laughs> but uh, just just obliterating them on their home field was fantastic. It's got to feel so good. Oh, it's so good. Like, you know, any win's great, but when you can just stomp the person's confidence down to nothing, it's fantastic, especially Calgary. I just really don't like them. It's easy to say this now when you're looking back, but you think, wow, because you finished second and not first, you were able to have that moment in mm. Calgary, right? Like all these things had to happen for a reason. So take me to Grey Cup, the day. What was that day like for you? What do you remember? Uh, it was my son's sixth birthday, who's now almost 16. So he was, uh, we had, and I had family. And so we, um, I know we went to a big family brunch in the morning. I think there's about 18 or 20 of us. And I remember I paid, so I thought I got to win the Grey Cup because that just cost <laughs> me a fortune. Uh, but it was, it was calm, you know, just a usual game day, you know, went back home, had a nap somehow with, I think I had 15 or 18 people in the house, but I somehow got my nap in and 
just came to the stadium regular as, as always, but as soon as you got here, you kind of just feel that energy. I mean, every game was, had specific energy, but this one was, was different. You could just you could just feel like, okay, this is this is good. And it was positive too. There was just, I don't know, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of pressure. And I know there was pressure, but we didn't feel it. We just felt so confident. And, you know, after going through BC and, and just pounding Calgary, I, we just felt unstoppable. And it, obviously we continued to hunt a great cup. Now, you were on the 2007 Grey Cup champion team, but that also meant that you went through the heartbreak of 2009, and again, you know, you got to the big game in 2010. What did you learn from those experiences? Uh, you kind of take, you know, the good and the bad from both, but uh, sometimes you wonder if the joy of victory, you know, overcomes the the pain of defeat, because mm. 09 was rough. 09 is real rough. And, you know, I still think about it. I know anybody who's part of that team still remembers it and thinks about it. Uh, 2013 helped to heal that wound, I think, but not fully. It never really does. Um, but I mean, you just, you kind of, you know, we went into halftime at 09. I think we we're up 17 to three. I believe we we're up 17 to three after Fantu's got a long catch and run. We were hoping that we were going to go for a touchdown, maybe go 21 three. Hindsight would have been nice, but who knows? Um, but, uh, you know, haven't been up at that, at that game and you're feeling confident anything can happen. So even when we went back in the locker room in 2013, we we're up by 25, if I'm not mistaken. And, and you just kind of had this one thought. I know I had this thought, like, okay, like this would be, this could be a typical rider moment where we give up one of the biggest leads in Grey Cup history. So we got to be smart, right? We were still confident, but I just, I just flashed in my head from all like the 04 game where we missed a kick in 09 and 10 and losing in 12 in Calgary. Just like, okay, let's let's keep the ball rolling. Let's not. And I didn't express it verbally to anyone. I just said, okay, okay, we're we're gonna be okay. Just don't do what we could have done in the past. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you lived it, and the fact is. You have two rings out of four mm. for this entire club. Yeah, I think, think there's only that. I think there's seven of us that have two. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry, as players, there's a bunch of guys, coaches, but four, seven of us were part of those uh, 07 and 13 teams. Yeah. So it really makes you part of a very small club. And what does that mean to you? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, it's you know just uh, you know like I said, I'm not a Darian. I'm not a you know G Roy Simon. I'm not I'm not those guys. And I know that I, I was a role player, but it's it's pretty cool to be you know. Uh, my position and, and be kind of just a role guy, you know, behind the scenes guy, but have two rings is pretty cool. I, I, yeah, I, I will admit that. <laughs> so I was rewatching the 2013 game recently. I mean, what was it like to play against Fantuz? <laughs> and he did not, he did not make many catches that no, game. Two, two unfortunately. Good game yeah, and no, I, you know, it was, it, we had some buddies on the team. I had my old uh, college coach was on the side, uh, Dennis McPhee, who I love. He, he helped get me the league. So, I know after the game, and Austin was there, and you know mm -hmm. he got us in 07. Absolutely. So I remember seeing both those guys. I felt bad. I had that initial. As soon as I hugged him, I felt like that five seconds, like, oh, this sucks for them. And then I was good for myself. <laughs> You're like, but, never uh, mind. I'm yeah. happy. <laughs> but I know Kanji was on their team. We love Kanji. And I know after, I think we scored our last touchdown, went out for kickoff um, late in the fourth, and I just was running uh, to the far side of the stadium to get my position. And Kanji was on the sideline, and I just looked out, and he looked at me, and he gave me that nod, like, well done, good luck. And I gave him the nod, like, my bad. And then, you know, we did our kickoff. So it's, you know, I definitely felt bad for those, for those guys, but it, <laughs> we forgot about them quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, the 2013 win, of course, changed Rider Nation forever. It was the greatest gift that you, as a team you could give to the fans, especially at historic Mosaic Stadium. But for you, Mike, you know, you live in Regina. What has winning that Grey Cup at home meant to you? Uh, it meant a lot. It was my last game. So, I mean, being able to go out as a champion uh, on my own terms, at our home stadium, home great. I mean, it, it, you can't 
piece it together any better, right? Like you really can't. So, and I think, you know, after having retired after that game, you know, everybody's up. I think people remember me as a better player than I really was. So I'll take it. Um, Timed it perfectly. It's like, yeah, it's like I left a good taste in their mouth. I'm like, sure. Yeah. And now I have people like, oh, you're my favorite player. I'm like, really? Like, okay, sure. Um, But it's always nice to hear. And it's just, yeah, you get, you always get treated better when you're a ride around here. And after having, you know, that great cup win, I think, you get treated a little bit nice. People, you know, stop in. It's still great. I saw people today, you know, tell me where they were that game or if they were in the stands, what they were feeling like. So it's, it's, it's a very cool experience. Each of these men have so many more stories to tell. And the same week we all got together, sadly, was the same week writer legend George Reed passed away. He died one day shy of his 84th birthday on October 1st, 2023. If you add up that date, the first of the 10th month in 23, you get Reed's number, 34. I asked the members of the 2013 team I spoke with to share their stories of George. George was a cornerstone of this organization. When you see George, it was his presence. It was not just his words, but it was his presence. You know, you knew what it meant to be a writer when you saw him, you know, because he connected us to the past he was also, you know, the present, and I think in the future, if you just look forward to the years, the way that he played and the way that he lived his life, you know, and, and those are the things that you look at, him being a man, him being a player, and the success that he's had and the things that he's overcame in his past to be who he was. You know, so him passing, you know, a legend passing, that's always tough, but that's what he is. He's a legend. You know, God allowed him to live this life to be a legend. And that's the way he lived as a legend. And he's leaving that legacy, not only to his family, but to everyone who has that green on. And that, like I said, that's what's going to be special, that he's a legacy to his family. He's a legacy to this team. He's a legacy to this league. And that's just a blessing for him to be able to have lived as long as he has and had the impact that he's had on so many people in so many places. First off, I want to just send, you know, my thoughts and prayers and my condolences to his family and all his loved ones. George Reed has always been, you know, a remarkable man in this town community to this organization i mean he's always been here you know he's always greeting us with love you know always you know say hi's and hellos i never really had just a full-on conversation with him but just knowing who he is and what he's have done in this community you know as a player as a man ambassador you name it he's done it all for us um you know they say legends never die so he'll forever be with us i, I love the fact that we're going to be honoring him this weekend um, you know, he has a section 34. I know this to be the first. It's going to be bitter, you know, because it's he's not going to be in that white seat, you know, that, that chair he always sits in. And, um, man, I just – that's it's, it's just tough. But, you know, he, he definitely – he left a lot of love. And he did, he, did, he did the Lord's work while he was here. And we can always love and remember him and respect that. Uh, he was a very powerful man. Um, he was very powerful. He was a firm guy too. Uh, he was a very firm guy. Um, I met, I met, I used to meet him and shake his hands. We really never had a really deep conversation, but um, he was always come and shake my hand and say hi and just tell me to keep up. And like, you could just tell what type of person he was. You could just feel the energy when you're around him. So he's he was an amazing person. For me, just whenever I would talk to him, he always gave me wisdom. It wasn't a, never a conversation that it wasn't something to be learned. Whenever I talked to him, so he made me understand who I was to this province. If that makes sense. And he helped me understand how I should carry myself when I'm out in the public. 
knowing that all eyes would be on me no matter if I was at Rogers getting my cell phone fixed or if I was in the mall eating some food. People would be watching me and he made me understand that, made me understand that this fishbowl was a great place. No matter how small it is, it still has a big heart. And if you tapped into that, the city will love you forever. Hopefully I'm making them proud and <laughs> I can take over from where he left off. Uh, yeah, I got a couple stories. I mean, I know because uh, my, my uh, oldest son was born with some severe health issues and back in uh, 08, uh, Jeremy O'Day started a golf tournament on his behalf and I took it over and, um, you know, I called George, I think in 09. Uh, I think I'd met him briefly a couple times here or there, but no, not, I, I just called him, said who I was, and he, you know, pretended, to, God love him, probably uh, pretended to know who I was, and I just asked him to come out to the golf tournament. He came out that year and every year thereafter. I had a quick email, and he came out every single year, was there the whole day. He'd have trouble walking, but he would be in the cart, and he'd come to the dinner. I mean, it was a nine-hour day, and George was there the whole time. Came every single year, so... That to me was huge. Like just like legend, you know, taking a call from a backup special teams player. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, I'll be there. And I'm like, oh wow, that was easy. Um, and so I, I always appreciate that. And then I know uh, one other time, I'd done some speaking engagements with George and uh, got to know him pretty good. So I'd made a joke. Uh, he was in this in, in the audience. I'd made a joke something about you know George only have one great cup. I have two. So I'm essentially I'm better. I'm twice as good as George Reed. You know something along those lines. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I thought, oh, damn. I looked at George. He had this look. And I thought, wow, this 75-year-old man's going to murder me right now. And he still scared me. And I went back and talked. He laughed. He, he was fine. But he's, and then he started getting into, yeah, well, you know, when I, in 66, we played, you know, three, two games in like three days. And, and we started getting in on like how tough they were back then. And I was like, no, George, you win. I was, I get it. <laughs> so at that point, uh, you know, he just, he had a good sense of humor and uh, he, he was just a great man. And not only on the field, like everything he did on the field was phenomenal, but everything he did off the field was 10 times better. Like he was just, he was legit i mean when you meet a star that's the t that's the kind of experience you hope to come away with is meeting george and that's what he did almost every single time reed played for more than 13 seasons in saskatchewan rushing for 16,116 yards and 134 touchdowns he helped the Riders win their first ever Grey Cup in 1966. The remarkable running back set records that still stand today. And his accomplishments on the field were surpassed only by his work in the community. He was involved with dozens of organizations, often all at the same time. I encourage you to visit Riderville.com to learn more about Reed and the legacy fund that will continue to give back in his honor. Thank you to our incredible guests this episode. Corey Chamberlain, Tyron Brackenridge, Tristan Jackson, Corey Sheets, and Mike McCullough. You can hear more stories of the 2013 team and this year's Plaza of Honor inductees in episode four of Air It Out. All episodes are available wherever you listen to podcasts. Let us know how much you like what you are hearing by rating this podcast, leaving a review, or simply sharing with your friends. Our next episode is all about fan appreciation, sharing real stories from the stands. That drops Thursday, November 2nd. Air It Out is hosted, written, and edited by me, Daniela Ponticelli, with editorial and technical support from Ariel Zur and Blake Tideman. Our podcast graphics are designed by Angela Bailey. Air It Out is a Saskatchewan Rough Rider podcast. <laughs>